Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. How you doing today, Janie? Uh, I'm doing alright. I'm a, I'm a little stressed. We were having some technical difficulties before the show started. Well, stress no longer, because we're here to talk about our favorite book series in the world, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. I didn't know that this was a Storm Light Archive podcast. <laughs> Listen... Listen, I know that you love Thomas Sanders and all of his works. Is it incorrect? Wrong guy. Wrong guy? Uh, I don't... I, sorry, I don't pay attention to VTubers like you do. Do <laughs> Is that Brandon Sanderson? Brandon Sanderson, yeah. I mean, he's he, he's almost kind of on the same level of online cringe culture as VTubers, I think. One of his characters did make it into Fortnite. Wait, was that the one here you're telling me about? Yes, and the one that I did actually get. <clears throat> <laughs> Speaking of Fortnite, we've got four tonight chapters for you today, folks. <laughs> and I guess since we don't have any news, we can go right into the chapter summaries. Yeah, there's Jack. There's one news article which is Percy Jackson TV series will include famous book scene the movies left out. Which who cares? All right, here we go. Yeah. Get your ears on, folks. Chapter four. Annabeth breaks the rules. When he sleeps, Percy dreams of Icarus, watching his father Daedalus, designer of the labyrinth, be punished by Minos for assisting the Minotaur's defeat, confined to constant work in his own labyrinth. In the morning, Chiron calls a war council in the sword arena, where they discern that Luke must be searching for Daedalus's workshop to convince the Emir to help their cause, though it had been assumed Daedalus died long ago. Annabeth and Percy argue over if they should try to find Daedalus and get Ariadne's string first, but it's decided there must be a quest. Clarice nominates Annabeth as leader because she refuses to go in there again, and everyone but Quintus nods in agreement. While Annabeth visits the Oracle, Juniper pulls Percy away to tell him that somebody else had been poking around the labyrinth entrance as well. Quintus. She warns Percy not to trust him, and asks him to dissuade Grover from entering. Eventually, Percy gets tired of waiting and enters the big house, where he discovers Clarice tenderly trying to coax Christmas constant panic, yelling about the earth healing someone and a horrible son of Poseidon. Annabeth eventually comes out and recites to them the prophecy. You shall delve in the darkness of the endless maze, the dead, the traitor, and the lost one raise. You shall rise or fall by the ghost king's hand, the child of Athena's final stand. She claims not to remember the rest of the prophecy, but says the last line she does remember. Destroy with a hero's final breath. Annabeth, Percy, Grover, and Tyson decide to go together, despite the ancient laws that only three should go on a quest. After the council breaks up, Quintus gives Percy with a one-shot dog whistle to call Mrs. O'Leary when the time is right. However, this reminds Percy of Luke's magic sandals, and he vows not to use the gift. He then visits Annabeth in Athena cabin, who is worried about leading her first quest, intensely studying maps. She's on the verge of tears, but opens her arms to Percy, who hugs and tries to comfort her. Before she leaves for archery practice, Percy asks one last question. Did the missing prophecy line end in the word death? She doesn't answer, but he has a feeling one of them won't be coming back alive. Chapter 5. 
Nico buys Happy Meals for the dead. That night, Percy dreams of the Princess Andromeda, where Luke, now healthier than ever, reports to Cronus that Camp Half-Blood is sending a quest, as predicted, and Cronus declares that when one more joins their cause, he will arise from Tartarus and leave the vanguard to camp. Luke is frightened and unsure, and Cronus reminds him of his oath, but the dream is interrupted when the Kelly, the Impalsa, notices someone watching. Upon waking, he notices the fountain is glowing, Iris' message prepaid, and he uses it again to view Nico, who's using a Happy Meals to commune with spirits. One is Theseus, who seems to recognize Nico's ghost companion's voice, who Nico asks about if venturing into the labyrinth will help save his sister, and whether or not the soul exchange will actually work. It will, apparently, but everything goes awry when Theseus says someone has sensed Nico's summons and is coming to find the source of power, and Poseidon cabin makes a shake, and the fountain crack, and the image glow, until Percy is forced to use Riptide to cleave the fountain in two. In the morning, the questing party meets, and Chiron expresses his worry to Percy that Kronos wants Daedalus to build him a new body. He also assures Percy he'll keep an eye on Quintus. Then, the party says goodbye to the outside world and enters the labyrinth. Chapter 6. We meet the god with two faces. The gang stumbles around, lost in the labyrinth, and they encounter a variety of architecture. A room of beautiful Roman mosaics of their versions of the gods, and their first human skeleton. Until they arrive back in the Roman room, where they meet double-faced Janus, god of doorways, beginnings, endings, and choices. He taunts Annabeth with her own struggle and decisiveness, goading her to pick between do two doors, until, by way of the room's fountain, Hera appears, dismissing Janus and treating the kids to a nice lunch that only gets tense when her troubled history with heroes and Zeus's infidelities are brought up. Hera warns that minor gods such as Janus, Hecate, and Morpheus may put their trust in Kronos, and then offers the gang one wish, advising them that they should visit Hephaestus's forge. Annabeth uses the wish to ask for a way to navigate, but Hera is disappointed. Apparently, they already have the means, and Percy knows what. She implores them once more to visit Hephaestus, saying that they'll likely need to get through the ranch to do so, and lets Annabeth know that she has only postponed her day of choice, not prevented it. It will come soon. Hera leaves, and before Percy can ask Annabeth about the day of choice, Tyson and Grover shoot up, saying that they should go left. Something big is coming from the right. Can't believe Grover and Tyson are getting high off their asses on heroin in the middle of this labyrinth. <laughs> Jesus I'm Christ. Sorry. It's okay. Chapter 7. Tyson leads a jailbreak. The left path quickly dead ends, and when Tyson smashes through the wall, they end up in a prison cell inside Alcatraz. There's sobbing echoing around them, and a voice speaking in a strange language, which Tyson runs up to check on, seemingly recognizing it. They eventually see what it is. An ancient and monstrous dragon woman speaking the language of Mother Earth herself. Campy, jailer of the Cyclopes and their hundred-handed siblings, the Hecantacaries, from the time when the Titans ruled. She'd been killed by Zeus, but is now returned, and it seems she's imprisoning a hundred-handed one named Briares for the crime of refusing to serve her master. Tyson idolizes the hundred-handed ones, but when they go to Briares' cell, he's too afraid of Campy to leave with them. Time is ticking before the Jailer returns, so Percy challenges him to a rock-paper-scissors game, and though the odds are 100 to 1 against Percy, he wins anyway. By making a finger gun. 
They escaped to the yard, which is full of tourists, but Kampe burst through the wall carrying poisoned bronze scimitars. They know they have to escape back into the labyrinth, but need a diversion, and Tyson offers himself up. Poison won't kill him. They use his distraction to get back to the labyrinth's entrance with Tyson and Kampe on their heels. And Tyson nearly doesn't make it, but Percy sacrifices his shield, using it as a projectile, so Kampe falters for just long enough that Tyson manages to get in from behind them. For the first and last time, they're glad to be back in the labyrinth. So, what'd you think of the chapters this week? Uh, I was actually wrong about the news. Uh-huh. Uh, it's deeply important because the scene that was left out of the books was the fight on top of the archway, which means we will finally get a oh. canon on-screen pronunciation of San Luis, and we will finally decide <laughs> who is right about that. Folks, people across history have been asking. <laughs> Every day I go to Missouri, and people are just standing in the streets wondering, how do we pronounce the the mysterious city with the funny arch? Nobody knows. Everybody's asking it. We're all curious. And Jane, I think, you know, the Percy Jackson TV series may finally crack the mystery. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, no, these were like, these were good chapters. I feel like almost like we're still in the setup stage of the book. Uh, how so? I, a lot of the stuff that's here is like setting up new threads or just developing stuff. Well, I guess that's not really setup, but. More like clarifying stuff that we've already seen a little bit of in the first set of chapters, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure, yeah. I get what you're saying. What did you think of them? I thought they were good. I enjoyed them. I thought the I thought that the Alcatraz thing was pretty fun. I had a lot of I don't know, I thought the Nico stuff was interesting. We're getting like a lot of dreams now, huh? I was actually there's so many of these happening that I'm beginning to wonder if it's like building to some kind of plot twist about it. Like if Morpheus is sending Percy dreams or something to like screw with him or something, some, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like because like in book two we get Percy dreaming about Grover, but that is like that's something that has to be justified in universe by saying that they have that empathy link. Mm-hmm. But Percy like specifically keeps dreaming about Kronos and or Luke and like seeing them in the same way that he saw Grover. So I'm not sure if it's like building up to. Oh, okay, there's some kind of relationship here or some other god fucking with it from the outside. That could be it. I could see that happening. I mean, Percy, since book one, is beginning strange prophetic dreams. It seems like they're just getting more and more frequent and direct. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise, like, not even being prophetic dreams, but just, like, seeing things that are happening concurrently. Yeah, and it was one of those things that, like... I th- think in book one chronos even remarks that it's weird that percy can do that uh i think so yeah i think kind of what i'm feeling is that this is rubbing up against the limits of like what you can do with such a narrow point of view that is also very possible like we have one point of view character percy and it kind of feels like i don't know i wonder how this book would be different if the if like Percy was half of the book and Nico's point of view was the other half. Percy has a lot of interesting stuff going on, but we also want to see, we're like invested enough that we also want to see all the other interesting stuff going on in the world that maybe like, you know, I, I, I would be interested to watch like Nico's point of view and like him like getting tricked by a ghost who is almost certainly King Minos. Yeah. I, hmm. 
Okay, that bl- I had like two different theories, and that your thing has blown a hole in both of them by being just way more likely. What were your theories, just in case? My two guesses were it's either Tantalus is back. Right, right. Or the ghost is Icarus. Icarus would be really interesting. Because, and I assume we've gotten this from like the same tidbit about um, the ghost saying that they can guide Nico through the labyrinth. Uh-huh. So, like, obviously it would make sense for Minos to know that, but my first thought reading that was Icarus. So, what I'm actually getting it from is Theseus saying that he recognizes the ghost voice. Oh! So, I think that this is probably, like, because I'm pretty sure Minos, like, sent him into the labyrinth, if I'm not getting my mythology wrong. Yeah, that's why that's why he's, like, mates with uh, the Minotaur in Hades, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Theseus went down there, met up with Ariadne. She was like, oh, you're so hunky and cool, and also I'm trapped in here. Take my string. And uh-huh. he he took it and killed the Minotaur happily ever after. Yeah, okay, you're definitely correct then. That's my guess. But, like, if it was Icarus, I think that'd be interesting. Because we see a dream of, of Icarus in this first chapter here. Hey, and that... I know we were kind of just ragging on it for having, like a lot of dream scenes Mm -hmm. that dream scene is really cool it was really cool yeah the the, it's genuinely like visceral and horrible the way that like this old man gets the shit kicked out of him it feels like like everybody knows the story of icarus to an extent or at least knows that like icarus is a concept yeah they dumped too much power into the stargate it got locked open and then they got transported to a ship on the other side of the universe i know the premise of stargate universe but the thing is that, like, I think uh, we should bring back a, a famous segment. Okay. That we haven't gotten to do in a little while. Should we do Prophecy Prediction Corner? Ooh, I forgot about Prophecy Prediction Corner. Hell yeah. Yes. Okay. So what we do in the segment is that we deep dive when a prophecy is revealed and try and figure out what it means, what it will mean. Okay, we've, we run into a problem immediately, though. Well, we have a fun little bonus here <laughs> in that we also get to predict what an extra line of it is. Yeah, the book has kind of fucked us on this one. They, they know our story. They know our ways. <laughs> They're guarding against us. Rick Ryden is, like, counter-writing against us. He's live editing. I, can, I, I know it. So, the first line of the prophecy. You shall delve in the darkness of the endless maze. I mean, that's... She's either navigating tech support or she's in the labyrinth. One of those two. Everybody check out Super Eye Patch Wolf's thread. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, from a, few, like a couple months back. Horrifying. Uh, the dead, the traitor, and the lost one raise. So... I'm assuming, like, the dead is the ghost. Mm-hmm. Traitor, probably Luke. Sure. Uh, and the lost one, either Nico or Pan. My thought is Pan. Mm-hmm. I So I'm thinking like the dead, the traitor, and the lost one raise. That to me sounds like they're going to come back from the dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but then again, like one of the categories is the dead. So what other context could the rate could raise be in? Like... They could go back to the Lotus Casino. Yeah, yeah. finally get that Percy Jackson gambling movie. 
Oh, finally. I've been <laughs> waiting. I've been calling up, uh, what are they fucking called? Uh, like Riordan Productions or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mytho Magic Productions. I've been asking them. Uh, it could be that they raise out of the labyrinth. Like they, they all ascend from the labyrinth. That would be that kind of be weird. weirdly literal, but yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Uh, I, the dead, I think it's probably Minos. Uh, the traitor. Luke makes sense. I, I'm, I'm waiting for a twist on it, though. Oh, wait. Oh, actually. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm just looking at the next line. Right. You shall arise or fall by the ghost king's hand. Definitely Minos. Definitely Minos. It'd be weird to refer to him two different ways in the space of two lines. Hmm, you might be right. So, the dead might be Luke. Oh. Because he got kicked off a cliff at the end of the last book. And now he's fully healed. And the traitor could be whoever in Camp Half-Blood is reporting back about what's going on. Okay, yeah. I, oh, hmm. Who do you think it is? Because we have, we, we've been getting a lot of, like, traitor, just like a mini prediction segment within the prediction segment. <laughs> we, we've been getting a lot of hints, like, somebody is reporting back basically instantly to Kronos. Do you think it's Quintus? Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't tell, like, what level of, like, 40 chess Rick Ryden is playing here. Right. Because it seems very obvious that it's Quintus. But maybe he expects us to believe that it's obvious, so the twist will be that it actually is him. Like, in the first three chapters, we were like, wow, we're so smart. We're, we figured it out already. <laughs> Quintus is going to be the traitor. And now it feels kind of like, well, that's too obvious. There we go. We have once again failed to outsmart this children's book. <laughs> I mean, you know, isn't isn't enjoying a work of fiction the smartest way to consume it you're absolutely correct maybe uh you shall rise or so i'm gonna guess that king minos will have like a big you know thing yeah the child of athena's final stand uh hmm so there was some contention raised within the book over whether or not the child of athena referred to annabeth yeah because like we've we've seen a couple of minor gods pop up already uh-huh. So I'd imagine that some of those are Athena's kids, and it's possible one of them could just get killed instead of Annabeth. Does Athena have kids? I don't think she does. I think she's like a virgin goddess. Not according to this. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Wait, right. Okay. I mean, but does she have mythological children? I didn't think she did, but who else Well, who else could be a, a like a child of Athena? Uh, I was wondering if it was maybe Janus. Really? Bearing in mind that I know nothing about mythology, so I have no idea like how off-base that is. It feels pretty off-base, but, you know, it's fine. I'm not going to look up a list of Athena's children in case I accidentally spoil myself. It's it's Sometimes it's fun to look at the mythology. Sometimes, you know, you want to keep it a bit of a secret. It, yeah. it, it depends on the time. My, my guess... So there's a character we've been introduced to as possibly existing who is known for being intelligent, clever... Uh, like doing like creation, like invention. Uh-huh. This is Daedalus. I think Daedalus might be a child of Athena. Oh, I I don't know. The gods repeat repeatedly refer to him as a mortal. Like even Hera calls him that. Right. Yeah, you're right. Wait, maybe it's Quintus. We don't. Do we know oh. what, whose god he's a kid of? We actually don't know. Did we? Did we get a good description of him? Let's. Does he have like gray eyes or? Uh, let's. 
Let's check. Let, we're, we're cracking this mystery in real time. Also, have we mentioned that Quintus is a really Roman name for a Greek demigod? I mean, that seems to be something that's being brought into this into this book as, like, an idea. Because we get Janus, who is a ostensibly a Roman god. Oh, he's both Greek and Roman. I mean, the Romans literally just, like, swapped the license plates on the Greeks' whole mythology and lifted it, more or less wholesale. More or less. Uh, let's see here. Quintus, Quintus, Quintus. Okay. A gray-haired man. Uh, well, if you're old enough, you get gray hair. Uh, a clipped gray beard. Good shape. Uh, a strange mark. He has that, he has that, like, brand. I don't think it mentions the color of his eyes or anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have come up. Well, I'll, I'll we'll have to keep an eye out for that because I'm I'm curious if it could it could be Quintus. Yeah, that's my that's my prediction. Uh, Quintus is going to take that bullet instead of Annabeth. It's very possible. And then let's skip to the final line: destroy with the hero's final breath. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I. It sounds like a hero will die. Sure does, and there are only two heroes on this thing. Well. Is that how hero is defined? Like, how strictly are we going with hero? Like, does a hero have to be like a like a demigod? I assume that it was strictly like it was just like another word for demigod. That could be right. That feels weird though. Like, let Tyson be a hero. Let Grover Please. be a hero. Gr- Tyson is a hero. He is my personal hero. Same. Like he's he's been nothing but like the most heroic character throughout all these books that he's been in. It's true. That being said, I am not... I, I'm starting to suspect that Annabeth may have brought him along for unscrupulous reasons. Oh, like what? Okay, so she's, she's like, refusing to talk about the final line of the prophecy. Uh-huh. And we also get some weird, like, weirdly non-specific, specific foreshadowing from Chris Rodriguez, where he oh. starts screaming about the son of Poseidon. You think it's, like... The child of Athena's final stand, uh, and and with a child of Poseidon's death, destroy with a hero's final breath or something. Yeah, something like that. That's horrifying, <laughs> and would have extreme implications on the like Annabeth's character. But I would it I be mean, out of character. She's I, she's the daughter of like the cold strategy goddess, so I could like see her thinking that she should probably hedge her bets. But that's not really who she is, though, right? Hmm. It's probably not going to be happening. That would be an extremely, like, fucked up turn for a kid's book to take. It would be, but now that you mention it, I'm like... Because didn't... Did she nominate Tyson? Uh, yeah, she specifically said that she needed all three of them. Right. She was very insistent, even when Chiron was like, Hey, only take three people, because someone fucking died last time. This is... I'm terrified by this. I think that I'm like not sure how I would feel about that if it happened. Oh, because like Annabeth and Tyson were like friends by the Inesia monsters. Yeah, but like they haven't seen each other in like a year, and she's certainly not as attached to him as Percy is because like they're not related. Right, right. Huh. Mm, okay, I'm worried now. <laughs> this is worrying. Uh, let's move on to a different topic. I mean, I know I was complaining that we didn't get the whole prophecy for our, like, prediction corner there. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do think, actually, not giving us the whole thing is, like, 
a pretty genius move because like that's that's something that we've come to expect from these books you know the heroes get the prophecy and then they kind of they game it to try and get what they want by the end of the book not having the complete information and all we know about the rest of it being that like it's so horrible that there doesn't seem to be a way around it like that really raises the tension going into this quest i'm very into it especially because we know annabeth is intentionally hiding it Mm-hmm. oh wow yeah i agree this is a this is a good move it's a good turn this is the fourth book in the series it's getting a darker tone we're back in Tyson death territory, so I'm going to take another step to to another <laughs> uh, topic. Chris Mar- do you want? Should we talk about Chris Rodriguez? I wrote Martinez. I said Chris. I also said Chris Martinez in the. That's going to be embarrassing for me. Uh, he's he's a bit character. We is he a bit character though? He's appeared like twice. I mean, I know, but I'm actually curious about like what you think about the scene. I mean, I really like what it does for Clarice. Oh, for sure. Like, it's just, it's really nice to see another side of her. Absolutely. I also really like that, I know we we were rooting hard for, like, her to become the friendly rival character. Almost like the, the Chaz of the series, if you will. <laughs> oh, she kind of is the Chaz of the series. Yeah, she's kind of like that with Annabeth. It didn't, it never really happened with Percy. She still seems to fucking hate Percy. Uh, he, I, she seems like cooled down though like it's been a few years and she doesn't really want to like swirly him as much yeah she hasn't tried to like drown him in a toilet no yeah i like this i like this scene i i like what it does for a character it's an interesting like and you have to wonder like what what is up with the earth healing someone the son of poseidon thing i i read that and i kind of assumed it was chronos but now that you've mentioned it again, I've realized that doesn't actually make any sense. Because that's not what heals Kronos. No, the Earth isn't healing Kronos. More people joining his side heals Kronos. So, hmm. hmm. And he only needs one more person to join his side, too. That's that's yeah. a that's a that's a like a good ticking clock if there is any. Yeah, that's like that's a much because we were kind of complaining again about the formula getting a little repetitive. This is a good way to add a ticking clock that isn't just the same thing again. It's not like, oh, you have to retrieve Pan from the labyrinth before the... the Retrieve X by Y Solstice or Zeus will have a fit. Yes, exactly. Uh, like, it's a good... like. It's a good reimagining of that same form, basically. The clock is more abstract because we don't know when that is happening, but it has also been very clearly established, established, established that a lot of like a lot of campers are leaving for Kronos. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of Kronos, uh huh. I am very excited to meet Super Giga Mega Kronos at the end of the series when he gets his fucking robot body and like lays waste to a city with shoulder mounted laser cannons oh believe me same i'm extremely excited <laughs> for when luke pilots the chronos sword <laughs> but i mean do you think it'll happen do you, do you think like this book is gonna end with daedalus like joining his side uh i don't think this book is gonna end without chronos getting some kind of advantage he like like, that's one of the things I really like about him as a villain, is that even when he loses, he wins. For sure. The way that I feel like it's gonna go down is that I don't know if he'll be able to convince Daedalus. Like, Daedalus, 
seems like he'll be the type of character where like there'll be a struggle to not get him to join Kronos. But I, st- I, I still have that part of me that's like, he might be the child of Athena. So, <laughs> so he could die heroically or something. And, but I, I feel like maybe this book will end with like Kronos rising in just a normal body. I wonder if like, it's going to be instead of a robot body, because we hear that Daedalus or Daedalus, whatever has built like thinking machines and automatons 3000 years ago. Right. So would it be beyond him to make like a kind of cool techno organic body for Kronos? No, I'm sure he could do it. I feel like that might be the direction that this goes in. So we don't have like robot God Kronos cool as that would be. It would be cool, but so a techno organic Kronos. I mean, I guess we also already got a giant robot fight in the last book. Did we? Oh, oh, the Talos. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I would, I could do with more giant robots. I'd be, I'd be fine with it. Giant robots are always fun. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm starting to like. We're, we really are like four fifths of the way through, or well, no, I guess we're not. We're like three point five fifths of the way through. Something like that, yeah. But it really does feel like, I don't know, like, I'm unsure of how things are going to play out at the end. For sure, yeah. Uh, I'm hungry. <laughs> would you like Nico to buy you a Happy Meal? I would like Nico to buy me a Happy Meal. I I could go for some, some you know, McNuggies, some of those bad fries they have. <laughs> Do you like my? Do you go to my? Do you ever have McDonald's? Uh, I don't think I've been there in like a decade. Really? No, there was like this, this like big healthy eating like push slash scare when I was in primary school. Uh huh. And for the most part, it hasn't like you know completely stuck, but it did like put into my head like a complete stigma against McDonald's crisps and tomato ketchup. Oh, I see. That's. Like, just any fries at all? Or just specifically McDonald's fries? Hmm? Oh, wait. I, f- I can never... It, it's chips. Chips is the one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, crisps, crisps are the ones that chips. you call chips. Crisps is potato chips. That's so confusing, but... Which I suspect is why the localization has deemed that Percy is eating uh, crisps that Hera gave him in my version. Oh, definitely so. I was like... In that scene, I was, like, concerned that Harrow was going to, like, poison them or something. Because they were eating a lot. <laughs> Just give Percy a poison bag of fish and chips. I kind of thought what was going to happen was, like, as soon as she vanished, like, the food would vanish out of their stomachs as well. And they'd be left feeling as hungry as they did before. That's gross. Why would she want to take that back? Well, no, I mean, like, because she disappears and then Tyson's sandwich that he's halfway through eating disappears. So I thought it was like, the food isn't actually real, it's just an illusion sustained by her being nearby. Okay. I like the hair scene quite a bit. I yeah. I thought that, like, the confrontation with Janice was, like, very jarring and, like, kind of confusing in a good way. That's why I think I mentioned to you, these chapters are kind of weird. The Janice thing was a big part of that. Yeah, I, I liked it, though. I liked, yeah. like, how... how I guess out of nowhere it was, because I know that was like the intended effect, but also it wasn't like, well, this seems dumb. I think I would have been 
much less forgiving of it if this actually was a pivotal moment for Annabeth. But this is like this is the book laying the groundwork to do it later when it will feel less like it's just coming out of left field. I I think I am more forgiving of it because I like that this book is an Annabeth book. That yes, uh, I'm I'm just, yeah. Annabeth getting to lead a quest is very good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm proud of her and her like mixed feelings on like the very first time in her life she's able to lead a quest after being at camp for like seven years or whatever. It's really good. Yeah, it's like it's very bittersweet because you know. She's wanted this for her entire life, and the opportunity finally comes along in the middle of the biggest shit show in history. It's a disaster. Um, and the scene with her and Percy at the cabin, I also really enjoyed. It's yeah. It feels it feels like a natural extension of like, well, this is like how they have a very slow going romance thing, and like, Annabeth putting out her arms for Percy to hug her was like I don't know touching. Yeah, that was really nice. It's an emotional vulnerability that we don't get from Annabeth often. Yeah, I'm hoping that this is more the kind of stuff that we get from their relationship in this book and not the Rachel Elizabeth Dare jealousy bullshit from the last set of chapters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What'd you think of the uh, that last chapter, the jailbreak? Uh, it was fine, I think. It was like, it was pretty much back to front action. Uh, kind of, yeah. But you know there was some there were some cool moments in there. I mean, Percy sacrificing Tyson's shield to save Tyson—that's a really like heartbreaking moment. Definitely. Actually, has Percy even been able to use that shield much? Uh, he used it to save his life from Thorn in the last book. And yeah, and then he couldn't use it for like the rest of it. Yeah, I. He hasn't really used it up to now. Like maybe he used it against the Scorpion, but I. Might have, must have glossed over it if he did. Yeah. I He hasn't been able to use it much, but it's like a symbol, you know? Oh, yeah, no, it's still a really effective moment. Just It's just occurring to me now that he actually pretty much only ever uses it at the start of the book or the end of a book. True, true. Um, I like this chapter a lot. I didn't feel like it was a back-to-front just like action scene. It felt like a really pretty effectively made like stealth game scene (laughs) like this felt very much like i don't know like because we didn't really get into like a fight until the very end of the chapter like it was otherwise it was pretty much just like them sneaking around the place trying to convince a guy to get out of a cell i suppose that's true yeah i i enjoyed the like interaction with uh briaries that was that was fun. It did raise a question for me though. Uh-huh. Was it Annabeth explains the Titans ruled they imprisoned Gaia and Aranus's earlier children, the Cyclopes and the Hecaton Kerowaba. Hundred hundred ones. Yeah. Uh, I thought like in in this book's mythology at least, the Cyclopes were like Poseidon's kids. Maybe it's both. I suppose. I mean I guess technically Poseidon would be a descendant of Gaia and whatever. Yeah, it's so, it's confusing though. I'm going to look up weird. that. I want that is one fact that I want to look into mythologically right now. Yeah. So I'm going to check that out really fast. Uh there are three different sets of Cyclopes in mythology. Right, okay. That makes sense. 
Yeah. One set are like the ancient, like ones, the sons of Uranus and Gaia, you know, the brothers of the Titans and the hundred hand ones. Then there's also the ones who like Odysseus encountered with Polyphemus in them. Yeah. And then there's like a different set, but that's not relevant right now. I, I have to assume it's like a, I don't, I don't know. That's actually kind of confusing. Like that feels like a, like a necessary, that, that's a necessary like combination for sure. Like if they'd had two different sets of like one-eyed people called Cyclopes, that'd be really confusing in this children's book series. Yeah. It feels like the, there should be like a little explanation or distinction there. Like Percy at least should twig that that's not where Tyson came from because Tyson is his brother. Right. I don't know. It might ju- it might just come up later anyway. It it could. I wanna I wanna check. I'm gonna check the the wiki. Okay. Oh god. No, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. Uh, I, w- I all I want to do is check if these are two different groups of Cyclopes or something. I guarantee it's gonna have like Tyson died in Battle of the Labyrinth due to a prophecy misunderstanding. <laughs> okay, it looks like they're just described as being the same Cyclopes, but, like, from different parents, basically. Okay. Which is, like, like there are the elder Cyclopes, and then there are, like, the younger Cyclopes, like, Poseidon, like uh, Tyson. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. One, one god's nut doesn't necessarily need to have a monopoly on Cyclopes. For sure, for sure. I I like Tyson's like idolization of Briaries. I think that's fun, especially like in contrast with who Briaries is. See, I don't know. I I don't like never meet your heroes kind of arcs. Oh yeah. I don't know. They're just they they always they make me sad. Well, I don't think this is necessarily that kind of arc. Like, I mean, we just we we learn in this chapter that like that's something that Tyson holds some kind of reverence for. Yeah. And we also see that Briaries is like a sad person who's been like beaten down by imprisonment and torture. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Who also ultimately like does the right thing. I don't necessarily like, and not even in the way that like a lot of do your, like don't meet your heroes things. Like the, the, the hero does the right thing in the end. It's pretty immediate in that kind of way. Like they have, they like, I don't know. I don't find it. I don't identify it as that kind of arc when I read it. Hmm. I I will agree to disagree with you. Well, sure. I do like the return of Tricks to Percy. Oh yeah, the the finger gun was very funny. I was I was like Percy, what do you like? What kind of trick can you do <laughs> so that a hundred different hands? It's just like the clever kid silliness. Yeah, definitely. It's like it's it's one of those things that I think like sets Percy apart as a hero, and it's something that hasn't necessarily even come up a lot since the back half of book one, I think. So it's it's nice to see it popping up again. Yeah, there's been a little bit of it, but usually not in the same form. Yeah, and we also get another return of the very popular uh, tourists who are almost killed by a giant monster <laughs> when Compi burst through the walls of Alcatraz with with poison scimitars. That's that's something. Did did you initially read this and think that Tyson was gonna be out of the picture for like at least most of the book? Uh that didn't really occur to me. I can see why you would think that though. 
Yeah, like I, I, I saw him be like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll sacrifice myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll be the distraction read to me as like, this is Tyson giving up on like, not giving up, but like taking himself out of the mission, basically. God fucking damn it, not again. No, yeah, exactly. That, that, <laughs> but I think like the way that you read it, with like the idea that you had in mind of like maybe Annabeth is taking Tyson along to sacrifice him in Percy's yeah. place. I I can see how you wouldn't have like reached that thought at all. Mm-hmm. Hey, can we talk about like how good the what what's it called again? The monster in this chapter. Compe. Oh, the the Compe, yeah. Yeah, can we talk about how like really cool that design is? Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of just want to uh, read it out of the book because this yeah, is like, like the the direct description of, is that like it was sort of like a centaur with a woman's body from the waist up, but instead of a horse's lower body, it had the body of a dragon, at least twenty feet long, black and scaly with enormous claws and a barbed tail. Her legs looked like they were tangled in vines, but then I realized they were sprouting snakes, hundreds of vipers darting around, constantly looking for something to bite. The woman's hair was also made of snake like snakes, like Medusa's. Weirdest of all, around her waist, where the woman part met the dragon part, her skin bubbled and morphed, occasionally producing the heads of animals, a vicious wolf, a bear, a lion, as if she were wearing a belt of ever-changing creatures. I got the feeling I was looking at something half-formed, a monster so old it was from the beginning of time, before shapes had been fully defined. God, that's just like... Uh, I really love the way that it's like, it's a visualization of the idea of a really ancient creature from mythology whose like description isn't fully pinned down, and who maybe has like, oh, contradictory yeah. descriptions. And like that's taken and incorporated into the design, that's really cool. It really is. I also just love the idea that, like, we're getting closer and closer to, like, the primordial soup. And... Yeah, definitely. Like, that's reflected in, like, you know, the like the beings of, like, that had form. Like, the, the form was more fluid back then. Because everything was more fluid back then. Yeah, we've like we've started off with like classic well-known Greek staples like the Minotaur and then yeah, we've kind of, as like more horrible things start to stir as the books have been telling us they are. We get stuff like um Dr. Thorne or the Campe. Totally. I think it's a it's a great like it's not a I mean it is a it is an escalation. This is a horrific powerful creature for sure that they wouldn't be able to beat in the battle without, you know, horrific loss to themselves but it it's an escalation of a different type than just like the monsters are getting stronger it's it's like a it's like if we're going back in time as we get further and further why did i pronounce it like that as we get further <laughs> and further like <laughs> uh my brain is broken it's okay same here uh, it's just cool. It's cool. The monsters are getting weirder, and I like that. The monsters are getting weirder. Uh, one of the snakes around her legs wears a pair of sunglasses, and that shit, like, caught me completely off guard and made me laugh. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah. Uh... I feel like the one big thing from these chapters we haven't addressed yet is 
Well, we've talked about it a little bit, but Nico, like, raising the dead to talk to them about his sister. That's, oh, we haven't, that's an important scene to talk about because we get, you know, some more Nico and that's always good. You know, I, I like to see more Nico. Yeah, we've mostly talked about uh, the ghost guy who's definitely not Minos as opposed to Nico. Yeah, but Nico is like, you can like smell the desperation. Oh, absolutely. He's he's dirty, he's grubby, he's clearly like scraping the bottom of the barrel for like necromantic ingredients. And the manipulation is like so apparent, like it's like kind of disquieting, like how much Nico is being manipulated by probably King Minos. Yeah, like the the fucking barely aware just returned to life ghost immediately clocks that the ghost is like not on the level uh-huh. but nico is still listening to him because he wants he would do anything to save his sister at this point absolutely and but we also need to talk about the ghost that they raise is theseus hello theseus hi theseus we had some harsh things to say about him to be clear fuck theseus <laughs> to be clear but also we get like i guess a more sympathetic portrayal here though he is certainly less of a hateable, smug piece of shit than he is in Hades. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, talking specifically, like, in the context of the series so far. Yeah. Because um, he, he didn't we, get a very good write-up last book. No. And I think that's entirely fair. But, like, also we get, mm-hmm. like, Percy's, like, first thought upon, like, upon seeing him is that, like, he's, like, just, like, a scrawny teen dude who's not much older than Percy. Yeah, and that that kind of... Um, jives with what uh, Quintus was saying about like you know not a lot of demigods get to be his age right like you hear all the stories and you're like wow big muscle man 30 years old beard you know I don't know it's like there's a very specific like heroic image you have in your mind yeah or at least like I don't know it's Hercules from the Hercules movie yeah or like even like paintings of like heroes and stuff you don't seeing like oh theseus is just like if percy was born of like a few thousand years earlier yeah that's like affecting it draws a connection there and it like it makes the scene that much sadder when like theseus is like he hasn't been alive in a long long time and he's obviously like super confused it's I don't know like there's something sorrowful there yeah I hadn't even like really made drawn the connection between Percy and Theseus but now that you mention it yeah definitely right um it's interesting that his fountain like explodes yeah who's who's sending Percy these messages I wonder good question a few can't i mean there's iris herself it could be iris herself i don't he i think percy specifically mentions that he it looks like it's being controlled by someone other than iris that's that is true i i really don't know but i'm interested to see i'm gonna put my money on bianca bianca i think she's doing this from beyond the grave to try and help her brother huh yeah if that was the case i I, I can really see that act. It could also be Hades. Ooh, yeah, definitely. Actually, I'd be really into that. That's 
I'll put that in for my theory. I think this is Hades. Because I remember we we made the prediction of uh, Hades' secret good guy of the series. And then he just wasn't in the next couple of books. Yeah, I mean, it seems, like, not obvious, but, like, it feels like the direction Hades would go if he was to return again wasn't, like, isn't, like, big looming villain. Because that wasn't what he was in the first book, even. No, absolutely not. He was an overworked bureaucrat who did not have time for the three toddlers who walked through his door accusing him of doing something he didn't. And to be fair, he did threaten to murder them and then destroy the entire world above. But, you know, who doesn't? Also, in his defense, he thought that they were being sent to threaten him by other gods. Yeah, yeah. Let's go through some, like, quick things. like. Okay, lightning round. Lightning round. Slowly, this podcast is taking a form. <laughs> we're only, only 20 episodes in. We're nailing it. Uh, Annabeth... Annabeth uh, is the main character of this book, kind of, and this book should be split three-way point of view between her, Nico, and Percy. Absolutely. Uh, also, what do you think her big choice is going to be? I think her big choice is definitely going to be, like, kill a son of Poseidon or save the world or something like that. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I could see that for sure. Um, Luke is healthier than ever, and he's like, looks really weird. What's up? What's That's weird. Yeah, like I'm the the way I'm imagining him is like maybe someone who's had like a little too much plastic surgery to the point where he's like in the uncanny valley. I love that image. Um this is definitely headed for a Luke Redemption arc. Yeah, he seems he seems way too hesitant. He seems like actively afraid of Kelly. It's it's going beyond what he wanted in his heart. Yeah, definitely. I want a, a Clarice side novel. I, I, of course. Because, like, what we hear about her just, like, fucking around in the desert, trying to knock over a building with a wrecking ball to shut the entrance to the labyrinth. I want to see that. Yes. Rick, give us it. Juniper is still not really a character. She's still nothing. She's just still basically just Grover's not gay. Yeah, but also, like, a Quintus deli- information delivery service. That's true. But, like, any random nymph could have done that. I guess she is just some random nymph. She doesn't really matter. You know what? That's true. Quintus dog whistle excited to see Mrs. O'Leary when the times are desperate yeah I mean Percy says he swears to himself he's never going to use it he's going to have to use it I like that the connection is drawn there between the sandals and the whistle yeah it's it's just one of those things that's like really good attention to detail with Percy's character that like he remembers being hurt like this before yeah absolutely um as much as I love the and I, this doesn't detract from my love of it, but, like, I like the scene of, you know, Percy and Annabeth in the cabin. And even though I say, like, you know, Annabeth is opening herself up to, to some emotional vulnerability, she's also obviously still, like, hiding a lot from Percy even there. She's not willing to open oh, herself definitely. up all the way. Uh, I think that's good. <coughs> Bless you. Excuse me. Shall we, uh, if, if we don't have any more lightning round thoughts, shall we jump into our famous segment? Uh, one one more thing. Oh, okay. Uh, and it also looks like they're going to have to go through, uh, they're going to Hephaestus' Forge, and it looks like they're going to have to pass through Ram Ranch. Are those the same thing? What? The Forge and Ram Ranch. No. I see. Do you know Ram Ranch? Nope. Let's see. Ram Ranch by Grant McDonald. 18 naked cowboys in the showers at Ram Ranch. Big, hard-throbbing... What? What? Hey, what? The f- 
Excuse me? D- Ram Jacqueline? Ranch really Hello? rocks. What? Uh-huh. What are you talking about? This is Ram Ranch. I... Demon Dude Ranch. Oh, oh, they're going through a Demon Dude Ranch. I thought they were going through Ram Ranch. I got confused. I mean, demons... I mean, listen, they're always trying to get their rocks off. It's probably pretty much the same atmosphere. <laughs> we gotta cut this. <laughs> you... Yeah, probably... I just really wanted you to know about Ram Ranch. <laughs> <sighs> Is Demon Dude Ranch Demon come? Percy Jackson <laughs> character is not so sad. Uh, which which one are you going for this week, Jane? I don't think we really have that many strong candidates this week. No. I don't think there really are any candidates this week. Maybe we should just move on. Yeah, I mean, we, we just haven't been given any material to work with. Uh, so... That's not our fault. Rick, do better. Rick, do better. Wait. We can just pick Nico by default. I mean, yeah, but that's boring. (laughs) It's boring, but it's all we've got. My pick for this week is... I don't know. Briaries. He's... Got a... He's... I got a hundred hands and knows what to do with them. Briaries is terrified of going outside and being perceived by others, which is trans behavior. That's true. Also, uh, yeah, okay, you, you got it. You, we got there. Finally. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. And yeah, I think that'll do it for us today. Check us out on Twitter, out on Wise Girls. That's where you can find our Discord server link, our email, all that stuff. If you want to support us, uh, download episodes, tell a friend, please. Uh, leave your own review for the algorithms check out our patreon as well at patreon.com slash unwisegirls for a dollar a month you get a special role on discord marking you as a camp counselor for three dollars a month you get an even special role as a friend of dionysus and access to all of our bonus content on this last bonus episode we talked about some really good homestuck pages and we talked about some really cool uh uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Jane. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Uh, we talk about, uh, Bojack Horseman and we talk about, uh, everybody's favorite character, Chaz. The Chaz, please. The Chaz. I'm so sorry. And, uh, we tell you to play Umineko. Play Umineko. Jacqueline will never stop telling you to play Umineko. I will never stop telling you to play Umineko. And for if you're feeling especially generous, if you if you really love us, five dollars a month, you get a special stroll of Aphrodite's Chosen, the bonus content, and you get a special shout out at the end of every episode. Speaking of this week, we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, friend, and Erica. Jane, please come up with a funny nickname for me, Faye. Uh, so, Erica, your nickname for this week is Super Giga Mega Kronos. She didn't ask me, so I guess I won't give one. But <laughs> I appreciate your support, everyone. Yeah. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye.